0: Houston, Texas-based Apollo chamber players have released their sixth studio album, Moonstrike. The Azika Records recording includes Jennifer Higdon's groundbreaking work for string quartet, In the Shadow of the Mountain. The piece is the 20th and final work in Apollo's 20 by 2020 Multicultural Commissioning Initiative. Grammy Award winning and Pulitzer Prize winning composer Jennifer Higdon is here with us along with Apollo Chamber Players violinist and founder Matthew Dietrich. Hi Jennifer and Matthew thanks for joining us on the podcast.
1: Hi Max. Hi
0: Max. Jennifer while composing your first opera the resonance of the Great Smoky Mountains led you to choose Charles Fraser's Cold Mountain as the subject for your story and you took some of the music from that opera using it as the building block for this new composition. What were some of the specific challenges going from the opera, a work that has words, to the string quartet work, which is wordless?
2: Going from opera to string quartet, the mediums are so drastically different. (laughs) So you do have to think about melody, though. What does the voice bring? And then what does the voice of the violin, the viola, the cello, what do they bring? Because that's a different thing altogether. So you have to think about audience perception. What do they take in when they hear the music? How does this experience translate? And how can you be convincing in the new language of a string quartet?
1: From my perspective, I feel going from the opera to the string quartet, the element that really connects them is the em- emotional impact and the energy. Uh, obviously present in the opera, you know, you have many more people involved, a whole choir, the intensity of an actual human voice. We have to match that, but it's not matching it in the same way.
2: Right. It also takes a really good string quartet to do that. It's part of the performance aspect. It's what you hope for.
0: Jennifer, you grew up in the shadow of the Smoky Mountains and the subject matter for this commission is heavily influenced by some of your childhood memories. Can you talk about how this part of the United States has influenced your ideas?
2: I was literally not that far from one of the entrances of the Smoky Mountain National Park and I would spend It seems like every weekend hiking in the mountains and then sometimes doing like week-long hiking and camping, sometimes off trail, sometimes on. But I used to also go down the rivers, the little river that runs through the mountains. We have an area called the sinks. It's a big hole that was dynamited out when they used to do logging in those mountains. A long time ago, they would float the logs down little river, and they would get jammed up, so they'd use dynamite to blow out <laughs> the, basically everything that was stuck, the rock and the logs. But swimming in those cold mountain waters, but also spending a tremendous amount of time breathing in the air there. In a national park that is, I think it's actually the most visited national park in America because so much of the US population lives within one day of the park. Everything from breathing the deep mountain air to waking up early in the morning and really seeing the mist come across the Smokies because the Smokies, the vegetation causes a blue haze to rise. And I think just being in all parts of the Smokies and sometimes for extended amounts of time, you live in the shadow of the mountain, you realize how much of your life even outside of the mountain in that area is affected. (laughs) That goes for storms going across the mountains and such. I can remember here the storms coming in advance. I use that in the opera, and I use it in the string quartet. There's actually a storm movement. It sounds pretty energetic, and it's a fast-moving area with a lot of rumbling thunder. Mister,
0: mister, over here. Mister, how much to carry
2: me across. Good God, just
0: the man I'm looking for.
2: How'd you get that boat.
0: The same way I got my
2: pistol. Boy, those storms that come across the mountains, they're dramatic, and it's something to see the lightning strikes. East Tennessee in that area gets lightning strikes, so much so that you have to have lightning rods on top of your house. But boy, it, the force of those storms, I don't know if it was because of the mountains, but it's pretty spectacular. But trying to imbue that in a string quartet, for me, it was a lot of fun. <laughs>
1: The thunder and kind of nature aspect, that's one of the reasons that makes this piece so effective is it works on many different layers.
0: You commented that the experience of writing this new piece made you remember the magic of living in the shadow of the mountain.
2: Oh, yeah. I have not lived there since 1981. It's that far back. It's like over 40 years. So it's amazing to me when I really start thinking about it, how quickly the feelings come back. The smell of the mountains, the sensation of standing in the field where the deer are running through Cade's Cove or, gosh, the sound of the wind blowing through the pines it comes back quickly, I mean, and very vividly too.
0: The piece was of course recorded during the pandemic and like most tragic events, COVID also initiated some innovation in the area of music recording as musicians were often separated by distance but still connected by technology. But you were all together during this recording.
2: Yeah, that's right. You know, it's interesting. I realized when I went in to do the recording that I think, Matt, you were the only person I'd met in the quartet at that point. Is that correct? I mean, I'd seen you on video, but sorry, I mean, think so. I hadn't realized. I had listened to them playing so much on recordings, and I had talked to Matt, and I would seen video of them, so I felt like I knew you guys. It's fantastic.
1: Connected by technology, I think that we've all become more accustomed to that Again, hearkening to another theme of this particular album, the technology that space and science have created for us to be able to do this in an art form successfully, I think is something that also to be reminded of in this day and age. I mean, we're so connected and I think art is better for it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The sharing of it, it's even beyond what I would have imagined. It was great because we went through the rehearsal process for this with MP3s going back and forth and adjusting the piece, which I don't, no know if I've ever done that where I've actually been doing a ton of adjusting and then sending you guys new pages and you learning them and then meeting in the middle of the country to record it.
1: This piece had such a long gestation period, longer than any work we've commissioned before the world premiere or the studio or commercial recording. We basically learned this piece backwards from how we normally would have or naturally done things. We worked it up for a digital premiere, then the studio recording, where Jennifer mentioned we met in the summer of 2020. And then we just recently had the live premiere for a live audience here in Houston, almost two years after receiving the music from Jennifer. So I think that turned out to be a definite luxury.
2: get to see a piece mature over such a long period of time our system is not set up that way so to have it spread well over a year my gosh almost two it seems like is a pretty stunning thing actually because I imagine for a string quartet it's a little bit like the first time you do Beethoven and then you go back and you do Beethoven down the road and it changes every time you do it even if it's an established piece of music but with a new piece of music we never get to do that so this was a completely different level of experiencing the music for me as well the creation of it but I think also in the way it sounded is it went along in the process from rehearsal to recording to the live performance. When I think about it now it's a fascinating kind of read on the process of creativity both as the person who's making it happen on the page and the people who take it from the page and carry it out into the world as sound waves.
1: The string quartet is one of the most intimate of instrumental forms. This piece happened to be for string quartet at just the right time.
2: Yes, I totally agree. I think that the intimacy of it is staggering, but there's also power there. The power is not compromised by the fact that it's string quartet. It's, it's both things, but you can't always get like an orchestra to f- have that kind of sense of intimacy. You can try, <laughs> and when I write orchestra pieces, I put chamber music in the orchestra piece actually to try to mimic it, but it's hard to beat a string quartet, that's for sure
0: to get back to the emotionalism and emotive aspects of the piece cold mountain novelist charles fraser used the phrase i have been gutted
2: yes (laughs) that's actually the perfect description oh boy yeah i can remember when i was writing the opera there were times where yeah i just wept because i was following the characters and when some of them had to die it was so hard writing it And as a consequence, when we get to parts of the string quartet, I still can feel a lump come up in my throat. The ending of the quartet has so much emotion to me because it represents a part of the opera that really addresses loss, a lot of loss. And somehow coming out of the pandemic, it felt even more resonant. But uh, even in the live performance, I teared up completely. I don't think Matt knows this, but it's an emotional. And my partner, Cheryl, said the same thing. I mean, we met in high school, so she knows those mountains. She's done hiking with me. She knows my reaction. She watched me go through the opera. And it was interesting to watch her reaction to the string quartet. It really is like living in the shadow of a mountain. You're talking about an opera, but it's a string quartet, and they share DNA. But it was fascinating for Cheryl to see and feel the emotion I feel it because I lived with the characters in the opera, so to have the string quartet music kind of coming up, and especially at the end, at such a poignant moment, trying to hold it together during the performance. They played so beautifully that I just got completely teary. I got a huge lump in my throat. I thought, boy, I'm glad that I spoke before the performance, <laughs> that rather than after, I would have been in trouble. I really would have been. And it's fascinating how composers capture emotion. I'm not sure how it's done. That's something you can't teach when you teach composition. It has to almost be something that's just burning inside the individual to such a degree. But also, you know, it's not enough to be the composer who can make that happen. The performers have to be able to make it happen, too. They have to feel it. And we don't have really words to explain that. You kind of have to depend on the notes on the page. But it's a good group that pulls it out. They can feel it in what they're fingering and what they're bowing and convey that and boy the Apollo chamber players do I'm so excited just about the recording because I want to share it with like more people
1: thank you so much Jennifer I think you're totally right about that and I think as a performer there are things that you can't necessarily teach and I think that just comes from someone's experience someone's collective emotional experiences of life of loss and of happiness and all that this EBS NewsHour interview with you, the librettist talks about that particular phrase, I've been gutted. You know, This is before the pandemic, before so many things that have happened in the world today. It goes from the opera, it's in the original book, Fraser's book, and it's in the opera, and I think it's also in the ethos of the string quartet. Having a mask on, for a lot of the time when we were performing this and recording it, it was easier for me to hide my <laughs> feelings.
2: <laughs> I totally understand. That completely makes sense, yeah. But the interesting thing is, you all conveyed it. You could hear it in the music. And you know what? Now that we've been through this pandemic, there's been so much loss in the world. I have to say this quartet feels like it connects with everyone. I mean, I've been through pretty intense loss, having lost a brother like 23 years ago. And and you're right, my dad passed away while I was running the opera. But I feel now that humanity has such a shared experience because there isn't anyone who hasn't lost. There's something about this music that resonates differently in this world now than it would have, say, even five years ago or seven years ago when we first talked mad. It's a different perception, and we're going to take it in differently. And I remember when we were recording at one point, the music hit an emotional point. I think you actually had to stop. You became very emotional, which made me emotional (laughs) in the recording room. I'm sure that Alan, our producer and engineer, was thinking, what's going on here? But the, God, that's the gift of music.
1: Yeah, that's right. You know, not to be too macabre, but that gutted phrase, I think we have all been collectively gutted by the pandemic, by other current events, political strife, unrest, the war in Ukraine, the hostile takeover of our government. I think all that just like has compounded collectively and we're all still trying to work through that.
0: Jennifer Higdon, Matthew Dietrich, thank you very much for coming on the podcast to discuss In the Shadow of the Mountain from the Apollo Chamber Players' new
1: album, Moonstrike. Thank you so much, Max and Jennifer.
2: Yes, thank you both.